we've come upon the most important day known to man. All of human history has been leading up to this point that we see in John chapter 19. Cannot overstate this fact. Every verse of the Bible, every story told, every lamb slain, every king described, every offering made, every journey traveled, every conversation spoken has been driving to this very event where God would send a savior available to all mankind who would bring about eternal salvation. And so we get here in John's gospel in chapter 19, and John records for us very simply in verse 16, so he delivered him over to be crucified. John spares us the grisly and horrendous details of crucifixion, probably because he had no real reason to describe it. The original readers were all too familiar with the process. Romans themselves shuddered at the brutality of crucifixion, and for this very reason, no Roman could ever be crucified. It was reserved for slaves and rebels. But John leaves us with no real details of it. Instead, he's painting a far different picture, and our job is to consider what he does leave us. And what we find is a methodical disgracing of Jesus, the humiliation of Jesus. But hidden within the reproach, we will see God's redemptive plan accomplished. The first detail John gives us is that Jesus bore his own cross. Carrying the crossbeam would have been no simple task for a man in good health, so why would the Romans expect a man beaten almost to death to be able to walk the miles with a heavy piece of splintered lumber hoisted on his shredded back and shoulders? There's no other explanation other than to humiliate, demean, and degrade that person's dignity, their worth, their manhood. It was to put on public display the man's utter weakness and devalue him. It was a graphic statement saying, this man doesn't even deserve to be listed among humanity. And then John tells us that Jesus had to traverse the terrain, carrying his cross to the place of a skull, also known as Golgotha. That name, that title is horrific in itself. You can't say Golgotha in a pleasant way. It's not what you would name a city anymore. It, it makes you shudder. This place was common for crucifixions, for the wicked and the evil that existed near the city, but it was outside the city nonetheless. And next, John makes mention that Jesus was not crucified alone, but in the midst of two others. Jesus, the Son of God, was to be regarded and discarded as nothing special, not any different than any other common criminal, a blip on the pages of history, another revolutionary rebel who had been stomped by the Jewish religious leaders and Roman muscle. But is this all that is really going on? Is this just it? We've come to expect with John a great deal of symbolism, correct? Doesn't Jesus claim to be the temple, the light, the bread of life, living water, the shepherd? Isn't this gospel full of dramatic irony that Nicodemus comes to Jesus at night, that Judas walked out on Jesus at night, that the Pharisees kept themselves clean on the outside so they could eat the Passover while simultaneously bring about the crucifixion of the true Passover lamb, that Pilate, while looking at Jesus, asked the question, what is truth? So having been trained by the gospel writer himself, we are to pick up on some irony here in this passage. John is giving us detail, not just for the sake of detail, but so that we will pick up on greater eternal theological themes. That 
This is not just a cross-bearer being marched out as a common criminal to the place of death. This is Jesus Christ, God who has taken on our flesh, becoming our guilt-bearer, who takes on the sin of man and turns the place of death into the place of life because the guilt of our sin is buried there. The place of the skull has been transformed by the presence of the Son of God. And when we consider all we have looked at over the last couple of months in the Gospel of John, we remember that Jesus has not been railroaded to this place as a victim, but in fact, he is in complete control of his fate and the proceedings that have brought him to this place. He has been waiting for this hour to come so that he could truly be the Passover lamb. And now and forevermore, the place of the skull is not known by the thousands of lives it consumed, but by the millions of lives that have been created because of the vicarious and atoning death of this one man. When you pray today, please remember Paige Sanchez and her family are missionaries in Nicaragua who are proclaiming this very message. And also remember the Chaga Life Word broadcast that's heard in Tanzania.